0: Grab your teeth, grab a seat, and tune in to Miss Liz.
1: Well, welcome to Tea Time. Miss Liz is back and that's right, it is Thursday and I have an incredible guest here. I was on his show a couple months ago and now he's on my show. That's what we do. We flip and we make incredible tea and pancakes together. So I have the incredible Tony Lynch joining me today in on Tea Time. But before we get all that going, we're going to get you over to Miss Liz's YouTube channel, subscribe, ring that little doorbell. And you'll be notified when all these tea times go live. And you can watch them at any pace, any time, anywhere that you'd like to. Uh, and then we're going to get the disclaimer going. We're going to get the bio. We're going to get Tony in here. We're going to spill a strong tea on tough, equipped, and a- adequate i got it right i I had trouble with that word i was practicing all afternoon with that word but i got it and we're going to serve a different type of tea in this house that's why we do not serve a beverage so you do not have to drink tea you can have coffee you can have a glass of wine you can have whatever you're comfortable drinking so let's get started disclaimer for miss liz's tea time live show miss liz myself is going live using Streamyard. Before leaving a comment, please grant permission to see your name at StreamYard.com. Please be advised that the content brought forward for any Tea Time show hosted by myself, Ms. Liz, is always brought forward in good faith. However, may bring forward dialogues and opinions that are not representative of my platform. The facts and information are perceived to be accurate at the giving time of airing. All Tea Time guests and audience participants are responsible for using their good judgment in taking any action that may relate to the discussion. The content brought forward may include discussions for some where they may be emotionally at risk. It is significant to know that the show is engaging in discussions, forums, only to offer inspire awareness and connection and is not providing therapeutical advice. If you have any questions about the disclaimer or the panelist discussion, you may freely contact me, Miss Liz, through my email at bookymissliz at gmail.com. Moving forward, should you choose to voluntarily participate in today's show, in any aspect i myself miss liz welcomes you and should you decide that the show is not made for you at this time i respect those wishes and we'll see you at a later show at a later date and time now a little bit on my guest. well my guest is a friend he's not just a guest he's a friend and he's family so tony lynch is the founder of the nonprofit memories of us limited grief support for men and the global grief network host of the podcast grief let's talk about it podcast and the number one international bestseller author, My Journey into the Grief World, started when when he lost his son from unknown causes, followed by his mother two years later, which eventually through some really bad choices led him to lose everything for the 18th time in his life. He fell into a dark place. Eventually he began to plan out his suicide in which he was almost successful. But as they say, that was his aha moment. That's where he started to understand the process of grief just from a different perspective, from a man's perspective. And, this, and since then he has, he has followed a path of creating space for men like himself to be supported and began to process and understand his grief. So let me get Tony in here and let's spill some tea. Welcome Tony.
0: Hello my friend, how you doing?
1: I am doing good and yourself.
0: I am doing well. Thank you for having me on your show today. You it, is,
1: it is a pleasure. So Tony, I'm gonna take you back to when you were a little guy. So who was Tony as a little guy and who's Tony now?
0: Um, Tony as a little guy, I was I was like a little artist, right? Mm-hmm. I, loved, um, I, loved drawing, right? I, I loved I drawing, right? I love, I taught myself how to draw when I was around three or four years old. I think I made the distinguish between stick people and real people, and uh, if my mother was around, she'll tell you that. Ever since I made that distinguish, that 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 distinction, I began to teach myself how to draw um, people, right? So I would remember things as as a young child, and I would sit down and I would draw cartoons. You know, I loved He-Man and GI Joe and Transformers, and I. I always just always love drawing drawing them and my little sister um, she loved my little pony so um, I used to I used to draw her comic books for her and i I love riding bikes with my with, uh, my friends um, just typical kid stuff and um, at the age of six, my life changed and um, I had lost my innocence. Um, which changed everything, although I'm still my mother's son, I um, I had a, another side to me that, you know, that had started coming out. And um, I guess that's where, you know, my life really started to take a turn into a really dark, you know, dark segment. You know, on one side, it was like it was like Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde. On one side, you know, uh, I'm my mama's son. I'm a straight A student in school. Um, on the other side, I was um, I was different. I had I had an understanding of the world at the age of six that um, there was people that was capable of doing really bad things to people. So, in the same sense, I'm trying to I'm I'm, I'm still trying to live live a normal kid life, but I'm very cautious about how I move. I'm very, I became very protective of myself and my younger sister. And um, it was just something that I just never talked about, but I've always carried it with me.
1: So Tony, did your family ever know what happened to you when you were six?
0: I told them, um, no one believed me. And so, at the age of six, I, I, it dawned on me that no one's ever going to believe that this just happened to me. So, now on the other side of that, I can now use it to my advantage. Because since no one's ever, since no one believed that it happened to me, well, that meant that I can I can do something about it. And either one or two things are going to happen. Either. The person that's doing it to me, when I do this to him, he's either going to have to reveal what he did to me. Yeah. It's going to turn out bad for him. Or he's going to have to keep it a secret and have to heal. So he chose not to say anything, but it, but he also stopped, he never messed with me after that again.
1: So Tony, um, do you do you believe that nobody believed you because you were a man?
0: Yeah. And and that's what it was. I was actually told, boy, no nobody does that to young boys. You need to look out for your sister, right? You know, you need to make sure that don't nobody do that to your sister. Don't be coming in here lying. And, and I was like, okay, all right. Well, I'm I'm telling you what this what he just did to me, right? Even my father, no one no one ever believed um, that people were capable of doing that to young boys, right? You know, it was it was like the the, the neighborhood secret. Everybody knows about the guy. But no one's gonna do anything. So when you say anything, it has to be hush hush. We we don't talk about, we don't talk about the child molester in the neighborhood. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's what it made me feel like. But again, there's there's ways that you can look at that and you know, um in the way that I did and go, okay, you don't have to believe me. You don't have to believe me. But I'm, de- I'm, I'm definitely gonna use it to my advantage. Um so I did. Uh, um, when he tried, when he tried it, tried it the last time, I put a knife in his stomach, oh. and I, and I told him, I said, "Go ahead, scream, go ahead, please, because then when you scream, you're gonna have to explain why I'm up here with no clothes on, at the age of six years old, and why your pants are down, and why you have a knife in your stomach, or you can leave me alone, you never touch me again, and you just have to deal with that, because you can't go to the hospital." Cause you're gonna have to tell him that I did it. And when you tell him that I did it, well, I'm gonna tell him what you did to me. Yeah. So um he never messed with me after that again. But uh it it did change me. It definitely changed me. Um I vowed to never let anyone ever hurt me again. And um, or my sister. And I stayed true to that. No one ever hurt me ever again, but it did turn me into something if i thought that you was going to try to hurt me uh it, it made me devious i was going to get you before you got me Yeah,
1: uh, and it. that's what we talked about when i was on your show right is that flight or fight right you know?
0: and i have i had i had no fear i mean when you've thrown it when you've been thrown into a world of you know uh where you can see people that are capable of doing bad things you're gonna have to learn how to survive because now you know when the people that you trust that look just like you are capable of doing these things to you. Well, you are going to have to learn how to maneuver in that world, um, and sometimes you are going to have to make decisions that you may not like, but they are necessary in order for you to survive. So I chose to survive the best way I knew how, and uh, I got really good at it. I got really good at it, you know. So as far as fight or flight, the flight in me was not there anymore. I, I. Re- I just refused to run, you know, and I figured if I stood if I stood up and fought, I can make people leave me alone. Yeah, I can build a reputation. People go, "Oh no, that dude! Hey, that little dude to fight you! That little <laughs> dude's crazy. You better be careful. He'll beat you with a brick. He'll hit you with a baseball bat or something like that." I was that kid. Yeah, I'll turn hit me if you want to, and you was bigger to me. My mama always told me if you can't beat him, you better pick up something to hit him inside the head. So I did. Must you right upside the head with break and keep it moving?
1: <laughs> well, we talked about that when I was on the show, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm it. gonna get you before you get me.
0: I'm gonna get you before you get me, right? <laughs> you know, because you gotta remember when you're when when you're that that tall, right? When you're that small and everything, and everybody, your world, everybody in your world is bigger than you, what do you what do you, what do you expect? What do you, I mean, how do you approach that situation? Yeah you have to learn how to protect yourself or you're going to be a victim and i'm not much on playing the victim i'm not so i learned how to fight um luckily my mother you know she was a good fighter so um she taught me how to be tough um she she nurtured me and and uh, raised me the best way she knew how so um, I am very appreciative of those things. Um, but there was damage done. It was definitely damage done because you got to remember, you know, when parents are raising children, um, there's no blueprint. And sometimes the oldest one is the one you experiment with. The most, yeah. You know, uh, I and plus I'm, I'm a young boy, you know, so, um, in the eyes of your parents, I gotta be harder on him. Right. Yeah. And, I'm a child. So needless to say, I got my butt whipped a lot. You know. But
1: well, we grew up in that time, that time, right? Where right, right. you you go get your whip, <laughs> you know, and you want to make oh, sure yeah, you got to go go make the sure that off it doesn't tree. hurt, right? You're like, oh, is that gonna, gonna hurt me? <laughs>
0: like, yeah, you gotta go pick your switch off the tree. Like, no, I don't want to pick the switch off my tree. Would you maybe what makes make sure they No. And 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 you know, um, and they played a cruel joke on you, right? So yeah. they, they say? Go over there and get the switch off the tree. You pick your own. You come back with the little small one. Well, what they forgot to tell you is that they already have one. Yeah. So why are you going to have me go over there and pick the switch that I want and you already have one? I feel like you set me up for failure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, they always had one ready. And just in case oh, you didn't pick a good one, right? And they had that other one waiting yeah. for
0: you. So, And for some odd reason, was yours, all, was yours braided too? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I know I wasn't the only one, but like, oh, what you get that one from? That's nothing like the one I think, yeah. nothing at all. Right? Yeah. So now. Nah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Tony, I want to get into your tea. Your tea that you gave me was tough, equipped and adequate. So why those three words for your tea, Tony?
0: Well, tough, um, the life that I've lived was not for the weak of heart. Um, the journey of becoming Tony. I had to equip myself in in many, many ways and um, in order to survive, but also to become the best version of myself. So, you know, throughout your life, um, you have to equip yourself with certain things because of the different versions of yourself that you have to become throughout the journey, throughout the process. Um, and what was the last one?
1: Uh, You gave me equipped.
0: Well, equipped uh, or adequate.
1: Adequate. That's what it was. Adequate. Adequate.
0: So in this version of myself now, um, working with men, adequate, it seems appropriate because I am in a space where I'm effective and helping other men like myself. So adequate, yes, tough equipped and adequate.
1: So let's get into that, Tony, how you became the founder of the nonprofit memories of us limited. So how did that start? How did that come about?
0: Oh, well, it's, I'm, it started. Well, the idea started after my son passed away, my son passed away in 20, 2016 um June June 16th is when he passed away of uh 2016. and um as a father I think that's where everything kind of started um and, and the doors begin to open through a couple years of isolation right you know because I didn't I didn't know what was going on, my world had changed. I had this whole complete idea that I was going to be with my son for the the rest of my life, right? You know, to raise him um, and then get him prepared to be out into the world. And uh, when he passed away, all of those things were gone. You know, um, all my my hopes and dreams of um, being a good father and, wanting to see how my son turned out things like that those things were gone um then shortly after that my mother passed away two years after that july 25th of 2018 uh, on my grandmother's birthday and then from there you know the reality of my life i'm an orphan in this world and then the harsh reality of it was I'm the last of my bloodline. There's nobody else after me. So when you have to look at those things, and I still have my younger sister, but my younger brother is gone. But my, my father passed away when my son was six months old. Um, my younger brother passed away when my when my son was nine months old. Um, and so with the compilation of all of those different things, you know, you you tend to look at life in this truth. The reality of it is I'm alone in this world. I have my younger sister, but when I leave this place, I'm still gonna be alone. She can't come with me. And um, walking the path that I've walked has been a very, very lonely one. Very lonely. Everything I had to learn, I had to learn how to navigate on my own. I didn't have anyone to come and say, hey, Tony, you know, um, let me help you out with these things and this, that, and the other. I mean, if I, I've had some pretty good people come along to give me a hand up. But um, for the most part, it was just me. And so after after that, after my mother passed away, I tried to run. Didn't know where I was running to, but I knew I wanted to run, right? I, I You know, the flight of the to fight, right? You know, right? Um, yeah, wanted you wanted run. Like, <laughs> right? you know what I'm saying? And that's the only time in my life I can ever remember wanting to run away from something that I couldn't get away from. Yeah. And that pain, that, that deep embedded pain that was inside of me, just would not let me go. So, what I did, I started, you know, I was doing online dating at the time, I was dating. Dating this this girl, she lived out in South Dakota. I said, You know what? I just need to get out of Colorado. So maybe I'll move out here to South Dakota, you know, um, and start this life, you know, start over something different and and things like that. And I got out there, and three months later, I had lost everything. I I had my own personal gym, um, started my personal training company. I had just left. I had just left Colorado. I had lost everything. Everything. I am now in a foreign place, in the middle of winter, with nothing. And now I have to get rid of everything that I have. All of my gym, gym equipment, um, everything that I thought that I would need, you know, to to have a good household. I had to get rid of everything. All I had was my clothes, and. Um, couple of weights that I had saved. And then from there, you know, I drove back to Colorado, you know, uh, with my tail in between my legs, not knowing what I was going to do. I just knew I had some friends that was like, come on back, Tony, come on back. The hearts were in good places. But the reality of it was, I'm a grown man um, sleeping on other people's couches. That doesn't last too long.
1: Yeah
0: doesn't last too long at all. And their intentions was good, but the reality of it is, is that there's it's just a reality, you know. At some point, you have to go.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Because if they have a family, you know, the wife is going to be looking at them like, why is he still sleeping on the couch? You know? Um, And they have kids. Now, I've never heard anybody or anything like that. These people I've known for quite some time, but it's just the reality of it so eventually I would have to jump from one couch to another couch sleep in my car right you know um and, and sometimes I would just go sit down by the lake till I would have to go to work the next following day um and then you know take my paycheck and go get a hotel room so I could sleep in the bed and you know and this whole time no one no one knew I was good at hiding that part of my life. And what ended up happening is that I was so tired. I was so tired and, and I didn't, I, I couldn't explain the tired. And I thought to myself, yeah, I want to do it. Anymore. And see, when you go from a place where you see so many things happen, you have this interpretation, or you know, at some point, you know, at some part of you, you're afraid to take your life, right?
1: Yeah.
0: That fear was not there anymore. I just said, you know what? I think the world would be a better place without me. I wouldn't have to go through the things that I'm going through right now. I wouldn't have to try to figure out what my life is. My life has fallen. So again began to plan on my suicide. And I did it in such a way no one knew what was going on. I was able to put on this mask. Um and at that time I was I was working out and looking good and everything. So people never asked me how I was doing right. You know what I'm saying? No one ever asked me. So I was like, all right, you're not gonna ask, I'm gonna keep this up, right? <laughs> you know, um and so what I what I started to do, I started playing 3D chess with my friends. You know, I had friends that would call me up on certain days. Tony, how you doing, man? Doing good. So what I when I started realizing what they were doing, I stopped answering the phones on the day that they would call me.
1: Oh, OK. Right?
0: You know, um, I stopped. Uh, they go, oh, man, do you want to go fishing or something like that? And if it was on the weekend, no, nah, man, let's go during the week. So they got used to me going during the week. The guy used to me not answering, you know, calling them during the weekend, not on the weekend. So when I realized that I had a consistent opening on the weekends, I said, I I, I got my opening. So I told myself I had had packed up a few clothes, went to work, um, and I had my bag in the the back of the car. People's like, oh man, we're going to see you Monday. And this, yeah, 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 yeah. And I took off. Um, headed up to Utah, and I and I drove up there, got myself a hotel room that night. The next day, I went and fished at the uh, river, and you know, pretty much said my goodbyes, asked for forgiveness, you know, for what I was about to do. No one's going to be looking for me, right? Yeah. You know, they're not going to be looking for my vehicle. I just paid up my vehicle for like the next four months. You're not going to come looking for it, right? If it's not a delinquent, what you going to come looking for me for, right? I just bought myself this this gun, um, this this 45 and I bought myself some hollow tips, and uh, some hollow points. And I said, you know what? If you're gonna do it, do it right. Right? Do it right. You know? Don't 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 have stuff. Do it. Okay, cool. So here I am. I'm up there, and um, and I was going. Yeah, please forgive me for what I'm about to do. But I can't do it no more. Mom, grandma, dad, brother, son, hold a place for me because um, I'm coming to come see you soon. Sunday night, checked out of the hotel. I went over, um, drove out to the middle of the uh, Moab Desert. There's no nothing out there. It's just me, the mountains. And uh, the, the nice guy and um, I just sat there for a minute, and um, I remember two seconds away from pulling the trigger, and his voice had called out to me. Now, although I had made this decision, the last thing that I wanted to do was do it in front of anyone and scar them. Yeah. Right? Plus, no one knew where I was. What, I mean, what do you follow me for, right? You're not? No, no, you're home somewhere, right? You know. Um And when that happened, like, Thursday, I it, like we're talking right now, Thursday, only scream. I was like, ooh. I took the gun and I threw it in the front part of the vehicle and I sat there for a minute, hiding in between the door and the, and the front the front seat of the car, looking around. and. I was like so who's out here with me and it got quiet so i reached in and I turned on the lights to the vehicle and there's nothing else out there so i jump up and i'm looking around you know i didn't see no cars come up back here and i'm the only one out here right that should have been my first indication but it wasn't you know i was like somebody followed me so i'm looking around and you know and it's, it's still nothing out there in that moment sat back down. I said, you know what? That's my mind playing tricks on. Me. I'm finished. I'm gonna finish this. And I, and the voice said, Hey, psst. no, let me talk to you for a second. Just as clear as I'm talking to you, Liz. Wow. You for, for a second. I was like, what do you mean? Who are you? That doesn't matter. Let me show you something about your life. And in that moment, I started having a conversation with this voice, like, you don't want to have a conversation with me. I'm a nobody. No one's going to care. Just let me go. Yeah. I said, no, I said, look, I get it, whatever, right, you know? Um, but what do you want out of me? And the voice said, I got, something. I got something for you. And. It proceeded to say, "Let's read this. Let's read the book of Tony." And I began to read this book of Tony out of my whole entire life, and I was and I wanted to be the victim so bad to justify what I was about ready to do, you know. What about this time when I was six years old? Yeah, you know. Had you not gone through that, you wouldn't be able to help the people that you that you come across to. Well, what about the 18 times I've been homeless out of my life? What about the 24 years I spent in the gangs? What about the five years I did in prison for a crime I never committed? What about all the friends that I've lost along the way? What about the people who, who tried to kill me? What about the, the you know I'm saying, the women who, who hurt me, who tried to hurt me and things like that? Yeah, 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 I know, yeah. But had you not gone through this, you wouldn't be who you are right now. Well, I'm a nobody. Yeah, but no, you're not. And and I couldn't justify it anymore and um, because everything that I was out on me, right? And said, no. I was was going, well, what about all these times and things like that? But I never left you. At the time that you needed me, I put you in a place and made sure that you had food in your stomach and a roof over top of your head. I said, huh. Let's look at this, Tony. I began to dig deeper inside of me. That's when it dawned on me. It was my gift. My gift was talking to me. It was letting me know that everything that I had gone through was leading up to this moment and identifying itself to me, making itself known. And then all of a sudden it's it's, it's like a computer, right? You know what I'm saying? A computer. I began to, it was like all of this stuff downloaded on me. I was like, What is this stuff right here? And then instead of now, instead of thinking of taking my life, I'm going, I need to go back to Colorado. So I drove, I I drove all the way back to Colorado, right? You know, and I'm driving and all of this stuff is coming through. And I remember going over to my buddy's house and I was sitting in this garage and I was like, man, I, I need to go get some help. He goes, what do you mean? I said, dude, if I told you right now, um, you're going to be upset with me. I said, but I'm going to be honest with you. I just drove all the way back from Utah and I wasn't supposed to be here right now because I was going to take my life. My buddy looked at me, he swallowed his, he swallowed was Tony? I was like, yeah. I was like, uh, step back. He said, okay you want to do? It. I said, I need to go get, I need to go find some help because I don't know what this thing is, right? Yeah. You know, but I need to go find some help. And I, I went out and I was looking for support groups and I found a um, variety of support groups, right? None of them geared towards men. They had, you know, there was some that was like, oh, for parents and children and then for women and children and things like that. So I would go to the one where I think that men would show up and I'd go there and like, there's no men in these groups. Yeah, where are they all hiding? Yeah, where, are where, where the men? At, right? I'm in a room full of women, and then, you know, they at me like, "What are you? Doing? Mm, I'm not talking to you. Mm-hmm. Not doing it." It dawned on me, you know, and and I would leave, and something said, "Do you get it now?" Yeah, there, there's no men in those There's to nobody in. Right? And see. they said, "No, you see, do you see the other side of?" it? I go, "Yeah." There's no men in the groups. You don't see it just yet. Let's go to this other group. I go to that other group. Same thing. There's no men. I walked out of that group. I said, I see it now. I get it. What do you get? There's no men in the groups because men aren't going to talk around women. Why? Then it dawned on me again, because we're providers and protectors. And that began that journey of understanding. And I said, you know what? I, I went back to my buddy's house and we were sitting around, I was pacing around his garage and I'm like, I couldn't let this thing go. Right? And I, and I, I told my buddy, I said, you know what? I'm going to start a nonprofit. He goes, oh yeah, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to start a nonprofit to help men like myself. Then I argued with myself for the better part of nine months after that. I was like, mm, "I'm not doing it, not doing that. and the voice just wouldn't let me go. "Don't do it." And I am like, mm. and my heart wouldn't let it go. It was—it became this pull. I was like, "No, mm. it, it was like—it was like smacking it. Get off me! Get off! Get, get <laughs> go somewhere, right? And that's what I'm on, going somewhere, right? And but I couldn't let it go. I could not let it go. I could not. I didn't understand it. But I knew I couldn't let it go. And then uh, I made the decision. I started making phone calls because I've never done anything like this before. I've never started a nonprofit. What do I know about doing stuff like this, right? So um, I made a phone call. And the guy asked me some questions. And I was like, well, I don't have any of those things, right? You know, all I have is this idea. He goes, well, you call me back when when you got a working nonprofit um, without a 501 c I stopped and I was like, hold on, let me get this straight. You want me to build a nonprofit without actually having a nonprofit? Is that what you're saying? He goes, Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm saying. I said, okay. So I stopped and I was like, this man is out of his mind. This man is out of his mind. And then, you know, I'm such an introvert, right? Um but I knew there was something about it. And I was like, you know, when I told my buddy, I said, man, I need to, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. I just don't know how I'm going to do it. So now granted for the type of work that I was doing was, was trying to get into, there's no blueprint for it. There was no men's groups out there. There was no nonprofit, you know what I'm saying? Based around men that I could follow. Right. And I was like, huh, well, how, how am I supposed to do this? Right. And, um, Lo and behold, opportunity started to present itself. And I began to go into these little networking events. And I began to talk about my nonprofit as if it already existed. Um, and then I began to uh um just speak this language that I was I wasn't familiar with, but I was very familiar with right and 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 what I mean by that is as if the language is already in me, and it just flowed out of me, although I couldn't tell you where it came from. I knew how to hold space um, before I even knew what holding space was. I knew what mindful, I knew how to be mindful even before I knew what being mindful was. I knew things that I could not explain to you. And so now these opportunities, are presented itself, and I'm going to networking events. I'm going to seminars, and I then I got uh, uh, connected to um, FOTI Family Leadership Training Institute, and I began to go there, and I, I just began to just speak as if this nonprofit already existed, and you know, and people's like, "What is that?" I was like, "It's a men's grief support nonprofit," and Memories of Us was born through that. And all I knew is that this vision that I have, I have to follow it. And I began to walk that path. I messed up pretty good too, you know. Um, I, I did. I messed up pretty good, you know. But of course, you're not going to be good at everything. Appreciate you, Adam. I definitely appreciate you. You're not going to be good at everything, right? You know what I'm saying? Coming out there. I mean, you may have an idea, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, that you're gonna be perfect, but you're not. That's just the reality of it was. And uh I, I fumbled fumbled pretty good, you know. Um, but I fumbled into the position that I was that that I was going into, and then you know, to make things you know even a little bit more crazier, you know, I was like, man, you know, this information, I'm gonna get my certifications, right? Because if this is true, and this is really what I'm supposed to do, it's gonna reveal itself. So the first thing I did. I got my uh, peer recovery coach certification. I went straight to the test. I said, I'm not reading no book. I'm not reading no book. No, 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 no. If this is real, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't is, need to read. I just need to do no it. Who needs a blueprint to put this thing together? <laughs> I went and took that test and I aced it. Didn't tell you where the information came from. And then I said, "I think I'm going to get my uh, suicide intervention certification." So I did. I, I went online and I found this 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 certification program. I said I ain't gonna read no book <laughs> if this is for real. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't know where this information is coming from. If this is for real, then you know it shouldn't have no problems with passing the test. So I went straight to the test and I he's, I said, Oh, uh oh, I think I may be in trouble. This is this is a little bit more than what I've actually thought about, right? So then I said, you know what? I'm a I'ma do something different. I'm gonna take my mental health first aider and get that certification. And they did. And I got that one too. I said, no, no, no. Did no, you no. read the book? I didn't read the book, neither. I was like, no, I'm not reading the book, right? You know, but this information just kept pouring out of me. I was like, well, this makes sense. This makes sense. This makes sense. Then I aced it, right? i was like, whoa, uh-oh, uh-oh. I may be in a little bit of trouble because I may just be a little bit crazy, but I may just be a little bit smart too, right? And and so now I said, you know what? I'm going to get my mental health um, certification. Read the book. I went and got it. I got that one. So then this thing called grief kept kept popping up. Now, mind you, I don't know, I know nothing about grief, nothing whatsoever. I just know what's been downloaded into me that's been tugging on my heart and pushing me in these different directions and and things like that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give my grief educators certification. And I did. And I pondered that one for probably about a month or so before actually doing it. But then I finally did it. And uh, I got it. And I, and I was like, OK. I said, uh, God, what are you trying to show me? And then I started, I started just pondering a little bit. I said, well, you want me to work with men. If they're anything like me, this is going to be impossible. So at the time, I was going to church, and people kept telling me, man, it's going to be hard. Tony, men don't talk. Tony, you may not be successful at this, but you may be successful at something else. So then I started talking to other people who had tried um, who had tried these things and failed, but had been redirected into their own path. I was looking. I was like, you know, I don't know.
1: So, we have a question here, Tony, from Adam. It says, I have a question. What's the difference between mental health in youth when in school compared to mental health in youth in the
0: football world? I would say that there's not too much of a difference. When it comes down to uh, mental health in schools and things like that, you have to look at the environment that they're in. They're in a learning environment, whereas one is more of um, a competitive environment. So, you know what I'm saying? The mental health, Honestly, the, you know, when it comes down to mental health in both of those, uh, there's really not too much of a difference. It really isn't. One is a more competitive um, walk and more is um, the the stress of wanting to do good in school. Right? You know what I'm saying? But uh, unfortunately these days in school, they've made it easier for kids to not have to compete for the grades. And uh, when it comes in, you know, and that same scenario can be played out in on the football field, basketball, any sort of uh, sports um, environment. There's really no competitiveness in it. You know, everybody gets a trophy nowadays. So what ends up happening, you have to go to outside of that environment and look at the people that they're around. You have to ask the individual in the um, youth. you know, you. Um, Especially if they've been bullied, or they come from a household where, you know, the parents are abusive, or alcoholics, or drug addicts, and things like that. So those things do play a factor in it. Uh, and youth have a way of showing their cards. And you, as an adult, have to be able to read the signs. But also, if you come from a place where you struggle with your own look outside of yourself and ask yourself is this familiar and if it is it's something to all it's something to explore it's something to be concerned about yeah. right you know um because what's happening now from exactly so you have to look at that Adam you know if you used to be a bullied a lot which turned me into uh turned you to a point and you attempted suicide Imagine, imagine your youth um, in those same situations, they're going to pretty much the same things. You have to, you have to look at the points of where you got to that point and being able to look at it from the outside, looking in to the people that you're around. So.
1: Tony, I want to kind of take what Adam put in there for the football, you know, because grief and mental health is like a football game, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like the quarterbacks and and, and all of that right we're on the field and we're fighting this battle who's going to win it right who's going to get that touchdown so Mm -hmm. if you had to describe your grief as a football game how would you describe it
0: um my mental health was the quarterback my trauma was the tight ends um my addiction to alcohol was my defensive lineman, right? So in the same sense, you know, my grief was the um was the running back. It was the it was my sneak play. Right. Um it was the one I never expected. Yeah. It was it's that one thing. And so what ended up happening is that my trauma and everything is trying to protect me from the things, you know what I'm saying? Um to keep me from falling apart. Yeah. And what ended up happening was, is that my mental health said, hey, grief, here's the ball. Go up the middle. We got you. Yeah. Now, my grief went up the middle. And what ended up happening is that it unfolded everything else that was trying to protect me. And it left me wide open to run have a destination. I have this grief that's going down the field, spilling out everything that is me. There is no more hiding anymore. Eventually, the education that came along with it was my touchdown. And every place since then, I've scored.
1: See, I wanted to go into the football game with you because men would understand that, right? Men understand football. And, you know, sometimes we have to go down a different avenue in order to understand it. And, you know, football is a good way of explaining it because you were able to – all the different players, all the different uh, locations of where the players were. But you were Mm -hmm. also a football player in your youth years. And and that's why I wanted to go back to the football because you – Adam talked about the youths and football, so I want mm-hmm. to go back into that and, and understand what football means to
0: you, Tony. Well, it wasn't football; it was martial arts. Oh. Yeah. So well, I. But um, well, I got
1: the wrong Tony Lynch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it wasn't football. I mean, I did play football, but I, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't the, um, I wasn't the basketball player or the football player. I was martial arts, mixed martial arts, and uh, boxing so i can use it from a better analogy coming from that perspective right so say for instance um and i'm gonna use this uh, uh, now this mma analogy when i was fighting and and hopefully people can kind of follow me follow along with that imagine being a fighter you know in a ring and uh, the person that you're fighting you can't see you're throwing everything that you can elbows knees head butts jiu-jitsu, and everything, but every time you grab him, he's gone. Every time. You know what I'm saying? But every time you turn around, he's getting you, too. This this thing is whooping the crap out of you, right? Until you get to a point to where you're ready to tap. Ready to tap. You're telling the coach, throw, throw in the towel, man. I, I'm, I'm battered, beaten, and bloody, and I don't, I, I'm not going to win this one. And the coach says, hey, man, wipe your head. You got a little bit more left in you. And you get up and you realize that the person that you're fighting is yourself. It's your inner your inner child. It's um, everything that you've ever gone through in your whole entire life that's begging you to come back and pick it up and begin to heal. So if I, I would have to put it into an analogy, that would be the analogy I put it into. You know, um, sometimes sometimes you, you have to know when to slow down um, and come up with a different game plan. You're not going to win every fight not going to win every fight, but you can win the war. And what I mean by that, you know, um, some fights, you have to go within yourself and you have to surrender to the fight. And what I, and, and what that means is that, um, you have to look at your younger version of yourself and become the the comfort that you needed when you were going through it. So you're not gonna you're not gonna always win. You know those fights and everything. You're gonna get your butt whipped a, a few times going through it. The key to it is knowing when to sit down, knowing when to stand back up, right? Um, and not expecting people to come save you. But you can you can be that for yourself.
1: So Tony, you wrote a story in a in an anthology. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that your chapter in that book?
0: Oh uh, yes. Um, so I I co-authored a book, um, and it's called My Hardest Battle, my, or My Deepest My um, my-, my Biggest. Yeah, yeah
1: it's, called, it's
0: called My Hardest Battle, My Unseen Blessings. Yes, My Hardest Battle. My, see, I wrote the on chapter, and I can't even remember. <laughs> it. Uh, but I have the book over here. It's The Relentless, um, Volume 1. So last year, um, I was approached by a friend, um, Nelson Beltedard. Big shout out to him. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to co-author this book with so many amazing people. And uh he goes, Man, I think your is gonna be amazing. Let's put it in there. He goes, and I, I got several stories, right? You know, and then he goes, which one do you want to do? It? And I started shooting them stuff. And he goes, Man, we could what what about oh, what about, I was like, you know what? I want to talk about the loss of my son. Because that was my biggest battle, but also my unseen blessing. Cause had I not um uh, lost him. I don't want, I don't think i will be doing the work that I'm doing today. You know. So through my heart, my deepest pain, I found my blessing. So I wrote. I wrote this, and you know, gave him this chapter. I've never written a book before. You know, who would have thought? You know what I'm saying? Tony write a book? What? No, right? This is crazy. You know, way outside of what I thought I was gonna do. Um, and so we wrote this. I put that chapter in there. We launched the book, and uh, we we get the notification that morning, and where Nelson uh, reached out to us and it's like, "Hey, we're now Amazon best-selling authors," and I remember laying there, and I was telling my girlfriend, I said, "I'm an Amazon best-selling author. Holy crap! I huh?" Two hours later, we get the we get the another message. Hey, scratch that title. So I'm thinking to myself, what fell through. <laughs> right, what, what just happened? They what made a mistake.
1: Oh no! Right? Did somebody
0: make a mistake? Oh my god! Oh, okay, so now I'm trying to think to myself, how do I make out of this? Right? How do I tell the girlfriend like, yeah, no, it it didn't make it. Right? You know, it fell through. He goes, you guys are now number one international Amazon best selling authors. This is your new title. Own it, Miss Liz. When I tell you, um, the sense of humbleness that came across um, me—it was truly amazing. I've, I mean, I'm just a nobody from Virginia. I'm just a little poor boy from Virginia that just wanted to do something to help some other people. That's all, right? Yeah. I'm not, look, I just wanted to help other men like myself, you know, and um, now I'm a number one international Amazon best-selling author. Huh? You know, I just wanted to have conversations to to show people that they weren't by themselves. That's why I started podcasting and things like that. Now I look at where I'm at right now, and I would say I didn't see this coming. I just wanted to live within my gift. I wanted to be a good servant. Um, fulfill my contract with this world. Right? I wanted to use what I had learned uh, and help others. And here I am, internationally best-selling author. And I get to meet people like Miss Liz, you know, and have them on my podcast and share stories, right? And I can come on Miss Liz's podcast and, and have a great conversation with her and share share stories again, you know, um, and and help those who are watching to give them hope. Because I would tell you, if you knew the person that I was and the person that I am now. You would understand why I'm humble. I've been humiliated. I've been corrected and redirected. I've been a fool <laughs> several times. I've had to hold myself accountable for a lot of things that um most people wouldn't even look at, you know. Relationships. I had trust issues. I've been molested. I've had people that I thought there was friends tried to kill me. I went to prison for five years for a crime I never committed. I've been homeless over 18 times out of my life. Like When I say homeless, I mean strictly I've lost everything. I've lost almost all of my friends. I've um, lost my parents. I've lost my younger brother. I've lost my son. Mm-hmm. I have two girls that, if they was to tell you the story, it would tell you a story of me being a deadbeat dad. Couldn't deny that. Only thing I would say, if you knew my life, you would know why I wouldn't, that I didn't want them around. They were a hell of a lot safer being where they were than being with me. I've had my ass whipped by life, not by not by people, but by life. I've had to climb out of some pretty crappy places. But I sit here in front of you, Miss Liz, in front of everybody else. And I would say, if I can do it, I know you can too. And that's Funny. where it comes from. That's where um the adequate and the you know everything else my this is where my tea comes from I come from a place of understanding that I'm not perfect and I knew what it took for me to get here and I come from a place of understanding you know I want to help those other men out there like myself and say hey look here brother I will walk with you I may not understand everything that you're going through but If you will allow me to walk with you and share some of what I have to give you, to give you the strength to get through your days, allow me to do that because I will give it to you freely, openly, and without any expectations. That's who Tony is today.
1: So, Tony, you gave me the one word survivor for yourself, and now I get it because the book of Tony, you had to survive.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, what has that taught you over your lifespan about surviving?
0: Surviving um, is a temporary version of yourself, and and what I mean by that, life will life will throw challenges to you. Put you in situations to where you would have to adapt. Survive. You have to survive, right? And as a man, you know, we know this word all too well. Now, when you come from a background the way that I do, that's all you know, right? You don't see the other side of life. Things like that. Surviving means that I have to become a version of myself that you may not own. But it doesn't matter. Because if I don't survive, I'm gonna die.
1: Yeah.
0: Because everything and everyone out here around me, if I let down my guard, it's gonna kill me, it's gonna take me out. Now I can give up. I can give up like so many other people did, and I wanted to enlighten me so many other dudes or so many other times. Or I can take And look at the world and say, I want something different. I'm too tired to keep running. And I'm too old to keep fighting. So I need something different. And if I can't have something different, then take me. And then I realized um, that survival that was in me, there was another version of Tony in there. And I began to look at life going, you know what? This brown dirt <laughs> over here, it just needs some little tender love and care, right? You know what I'm saying? That's all it just it just needs a little tender love and care, right? It just I, I need to I need to I need to till the dirt for a little bit. I need to throw some fertilizer in there, maybe plant some grass seeds. See what I was doing. I was looking at the other people, I was looking at the Joneses with their well cut yards and their green grass and all of those different things, but I wasn't looking at myself. So the survivor myself was waiting. To be born into the Tony that I am today, and that survivor began to go. There's no more need for this. Let's take some time. Let's breathe. Let's learn how to. Let's learn how to grow some grass, Tony. And what that what that meant was, I became the version of me that you see now. So I went from survivor to thriving in a a world that I felt that was trying to kill me. And in many cases, it was. Now I just live.
1: So Tony, what final message do you have for the men out there?
0: (sighs) Not everybody is out trying to hurt you. So, if you could, in your journey of grief, begin to live life as if you're not afraid of being hurt, the right people will come along and will walk with you. If you allow them to, allow them to. Because there's people like me that have walked that path before. I would love for you to invite me into your space. Just so. Just so you have somebody there with you. And if not, reach out to me. I know some other people that will, too. But not everybody's out to try to reach you.
1: So Tony, if anybody wanted to reach you to be on your podcast, how could they reach you?
0: Uh, they can um, they can email me, um, tolinch46 at gmail.com, and just say, hey, possible co- podcast guest, we'll set up a time. i give you my calendar invite. You you come on on. And, um, you know, um, we'll talk. Make sure that you're a good fit, and then when you come on, um, I would I would do my best to give you the best experience that you possibly have with a great conversation. And um, yeah, and or they can go check it out and see what see how I do it. Uh, and the link that you have up there, thank you, Miss Liz, for we'll putting that up there. You can go there and check it out. And um, yeah, let me know what you think.
1: Yeah, I think that's the best way for anybody to see what Tony does and how engaging Tony is as a podcast host. Go over to his YouTube channel. Give it a quick subscribe. You know, support for support. We grow together. Uh, You know, Tony, I really want to thank you for sitting and having tea with me today because it was a pleasure. Uh, Thank you to all the listeners and supporters. Thank you, Adam, for joining in. Thank you, Lakeda, for your uh, presence. And thank you for just supporting tea time because without the sport we could not do this um, again Tony thank you so much uh, I really had a good pleasure with having this conversation with you uh, we will be back at 7 p.m with skull games where we're going to bring some awareness to sex trafficking and catching predators because that's what we do with tea time we bring some real good strong awareness to topics that need to be spoken about so until then I will see everybody at 7 p.m eastern center time until then keep sharing your tea and keep spreading the tea Be yourself, and we can make a difference one cup of tea at a time.
0: Thank you for having me on.